0: Hey Hitchhikers, welcome back to Hitchhiker's Guide to Hyrule, your one-stop guide to all things lore, history, and gameplay with the Legend of Zelda series. We're here to explore the mystical land of Hyrule and beyond. Today I've got my co-host Tyson Andrake here with me. Welcome man, good to have you. Thanks
1: for having me. What's up guys?
0: So lately we've been talking about how Link has evolved through time and also how the series has evolved. And in that discussion that I had last time with Timmy, we talked for a little bit about how one of the main focal points for these 12 year periods in The Legend of Zelda history, one of those major focal points was Ocarina of Time. Because Ocarina of Time, when it came out in 1998, was the fifth game in the series, and it was like this bombshell. And it created this change in trajectory, this Massive Awakening and Zelda craze. And so the next 12 years were radically different from the first because in the 12 years after Ocarina of Time to 2010, you had 11 games that were produced as opposed to just four that came before Ocarina of Time. So it was was a big deal for sure. And so today we're basically going to talk about what aspects and what elements of Ocarina of Time cause this. You'll hear me say Ocarina of Time. That's just my American O sound coming out. So just viewers beware. I'm an Ocarina of Time guy, but I, <laughs> I, I'm i like all for calling it whatever. People that say Ocarina, you're welcome here, weirdo. <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. I have to throw that out there because people just need to know that I'm going to say Ocarina without even thinking about it. But anyway, what do you think? Ocarina of Time, what in the world made this game such a huge bombshell in the
1: series? Oh, I think that Ocarina of Time. (laughs) No, Uh, I think, well, first of all, I think it's ironic that you use Timeline to introduce a game about time and about (laughs) messing with the actual Zelda timeline. It's all connected. (laughs) It's all part of the plan, right? (laughs) There's so much to talk about with a game like this because it's so awesome. It right. is probably and will probably be my favorite Zelda game of all time.
0: Agreed. Yeah, it's just so deep on so many levels. And just ah. no matter how good they do with Zelda games coming after it, they just can't top it, in In my
1: opinion. Uh, no, I agree. As I've introduced before... I started my Zelda experience with playing Four Swords Adventures, which is a 2D format Zelda game. It's all good. It came out a couple of years after Ocarina of Time. But for me, switching from a 2D format game where it was literally, you have to go here. Oh, and if you go to this certain area, it's blocked off by a fence that you can't pass, even if you have the rock feather, which I found super dumb. And then I'd played other games like Lego Star Wars, also with a linear format. So to really go into a 3D format, unlike Mario 64, where you're confined within Peach's Castle. And yeah, granted, you get to go to different places in Super Mario World. But there was just nothing quite like riding my horse. I got to steal from some wimp and just riding it across the open field. I freaking hate Indigo, man. Like, he's the worst. Dude, yeah, Indigo, man. He just... he. Uh, that's right. That, they,
0: they designed him so well to just grind your gears. You're like, bruh, what's your problem, man?
1: Hated every time he'd win, his yeah. stupid mustache would go up and down. And <laughs> I was just like, I want to cut that mustache off with my sword, bro. Like, <laughs> oh, I hated it. <laughs> Going back to
0: Super Mario 64. I think that is a really good tie to the 3D being a major part of why Ocarina of Time was so successful because the 64 being able to provide computing power for 3D graphics was pretty big. But for people that were around when Ocarina of Time came out, they could notice almost immediately upon playing the game that this was a whole nother level of 3D computing compared even to Super Mario. And a little bit of context, Super Mario 64 came out in 1996. Ocarina of Time came out in 1998, so you had a two-year gap. And originally in development, Ocarina of Time was going to use that same 3D engine that Mario 64 was using. And even the first look trailer at the Shoshinkai trade show in 95, that trailer was running the engine that Super Mario 64 had. And so you had kind of more... I don't know how to describe it, blocky graphics, I guess. And the interesting thing, too, is that Link, the actual character asset, was designed like the originals Legend of Zelda, like the Adventure of Link. So the Ocarina of Time signature look for Link hadn't even been developed yet. And the graphics were still like Mario 64 level. So even from the initial teaser trailer to when the game was released, there was this huge shift in 3D computing so that by the time Ocarina of Time actually came out, you had this beautifully rendered 3D world. and I mean, it was breathtaking at the time. I still, to this day, think that one of the best shots in Ocarina of Time is when you leave Kokiri Forest, walk out into Hyrule Field, and they do the pan over Hyrule Field, and you can see Hyrule Castle in the background, because that's like the game saying, welcome to 3D, brothers. You just soak it in, you're like, dude, there's Hyrule Castle. I can see it. Let's go get it. Don't have that in A Link to the Past. You can't see on the horizon, or even Four Swords Adventures, you know, these 2D games. There is no horizon. But now, Ocarina of Time, now you've got Death Mountain in the background, and you're like, dude, I want to go there, so let's get this game going so I can explore this world. So I agree, the 3D transition was a huge, huge aspect of this culture shift in Legend of Zelda.
1: Yeah, I always wanted to go to Death Mountain first, because as a kid, I was just always obsessed with volcanoes. Maybe that's why I like Lord of the Rings so much to this day, because there's a giant volcano. No, that is an incredible shot. I think what blew me away the most, I wouldn't say it does still to this day, but like the first time I played the game, when I saw Link riding across Hyrule Field, and there's the moon shining behind him, and I mean, that was so cool. For me, because I was like, oh, here we are. This is going to be larger than life. And yeah, that's that's cool.
0: Talk about setting the stage right from the title screen, man. Serious. They pulled out all the stops. They're like, yeah, drink it up. We've got this beautiful 3D game, this awesome story. Yeah, and I still get goosebumps when the title theme comes on. Mm -hmm. In uh, Ocarina of Time, I'm like, ah, I'm back.
1: Yeah, there's nothing better. I would always play Ocarina of Time in the summer. And so every time I play this game or I hear the soundtrack, I just think of summer. So... It's just kind of a fun memory, and it's just that sweet, sweet nostalgia that I get every time I pop in that game. It's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, and nostalgia is a big part, as a lot of longtime fans of the game will tell you. It, that tends to be pretty common for each generation, but the game that was big at the time is the most nostalgic. But I think Ocarina of Time has something going for it in its storytelling and lore. Just like we were saying, the 3D took it to a whole new level. I think. The ability to tell the story due to the 3D graphics also took the series to a new level because now you've got computing power and graphics capabilities to model out your NPCs in a more realistic way, to model out your locations in a more realistic way, to create more depth to the temples and the actual puzzle-solving and I think it created a lot of traction as far as Nintendo getting a sense of how are we going to develop these games in the future? I think one of my favorite story elements with *Ocarina of Time 2 was the actual story of Link himself, because we, we actually get a little bit of backstory into the Hero of Time, and we start to see him before he becomes the hero, because original Legend of Zelda, you drop into the game, you're the guy. You don't have a sword, but you get it very quickly, and then you're well on your way. Even the same with A Link to the Past. Very quick introduction where it's like, as soon as you're in the basement of the castle, you got your sword, you're well on your way. And even though they power up throughout the game, I wouldn't say that their character is developing. Ocarina of Time, you have character development with your protagonist, which gives you a chance to develop along with him, and I think that was one of the most powerful aspects of Ocarina of Time that we started to see in future games, because you see that with Wind Waker, again, he's just a, some kid on an island that has to accept the call and develop as a hero. Twilight Princess, exact same thing, just this dude in some village outside of Hyrule, accepts the call, develops, you know, so Ocarina of Time started that with the backstory and development of Link in Kokiri Forest.
1: True, that's very true. I think this was our first glimpse into the past Zelda games as well because it talks about the origins of the Triforce and it talks about the goddesses and then we finally get that timeline split where we get more lore from this game. So yeah, it, this, really, this really is a monumental piece of Zelda history.
0: Yeah, exactly. It was just beautifully done and beautifully simple. Them telling uh, the origins of the Triforce or talking about how the Triforce splits. I mean, it's just super simple. People could just eat it up without having to get super focused on the game. Like you said, talk about affecting the rest of the series. You had the timeline break that spurred hundreds of timeline theory videos on YouTube back in the 2000s. so that was like direct impact. But I think you're right. Ocarina of Time started the bigger conversation of how do we like link these games together? Because you had the first and the second (laughs) that were direct sequels, but then you had Link to the Past. It's totally different. And then you have Link's Awakening, which isn't even in Hyrule. It's just on this island and so you have these super disconnected games but then ocarina of time it's so big and starts to open up the lore of the series that you start to think hmm these could be connected and then wind waker actually references ocarina of time and so you're like hmm, hmm. heavily yeah
1: exactly <laughs> all the little cogs mesh together <laughs> You mentioned earlier that 3D design gave more detail to like, the dungeons and the areas that you're in particularly. Something else that really works in this game's favor with the 3D engine and design is that they took the new technology that they were creating... And they used it to tell a story. So like everywhere you go in Hyrule, I feel like there's always a piece of of story. And sometimes it's not very clear what that story is, which adds that wonderful little bit of mystery to it that I love about the Zelda games. For example, you're in this mysterious fortress-looking thing for the Forest Temple, and there's vines growing on the walls, but you can tell that they are fortified stone walls. And you know... One of my favorite things to do is when you initially enter that outdoor courtyard with the Deku Babas and the Skultillas, And you know, there's that little fountain thing. One of my favorite things to do is just look in my camera or go into first-person mode and then using that camera to just, like, look up and see how tall those walls are and see the battlements. There is a story there. And as a kid, I would just... Fuel my imagination to just imagine. Okay, did a war happen here? Is that why this place is haunted, or is there? Did somebody live here and murdered all his family, or something like that? Yeah, which are kind of dark theories, but it's kind of a darker temple. But I just think it's cool how they not only took new technology, but they used the technology to create art and to create a story. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, completely. Because there's a conversation about, oh, you've got 3D graphics. That's super cool. Like it's more realistic. But I think you're, what you're talking about is even deeper than that. It's like now the developers are actually world building in a more immersive way. And so it's like, not yeah. only is are the graphics realistic and you can project yourself onto them, but the world is immersive. You're like, I feel like I'm stepping into Hyrule. Like you said, you go into first person mode, you look around, you're like, yeah, I'm inside this place. And I think too, you've got the design, the actual modeled rendered game in front of you. But then the music that Koji Kondo actually mm. composes for these places, again, it just like sucks you inside of this place. My all-time favorite song from Ocarina of Time is Grudo Valley, Grudo Desert. Mm. And just one thing I love about it is that when you enter that region, all of a sudden you've gone from nice, green, lush, hyrule field to red, dry, dusty desert. And then you've got this guitar riff going that's reminiscent of southwestern united states mexico and you're like dude i feel like i'm in the desert right now it's just walking around like the no, like, like an the old West- western yeah exactly yeah. yes Yeah, you feel like you're sucked into this area or whatever. And all the temples do that, for sure. This shadow temple, you walk in there, you're like, oh, I feel like I'm going to die right now. (laughs) Because the music is just like the Grim Reapers behind you or whatever. But I think that what we're talking about is just the fact that the developers were able to put a whole new dimension on world building and... That, uh, that totally cascaded into the other Zelda games that came after Ocarina of Time, at least the flagship main console games, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, Skyward Sword, where you have this huge world that you're able to just throw in all kinds of Easter eggs, all kinds of details so that you can go in there and just dig all dig up all that
1: stuff. To me, that's what makes a true adventure game. Because if you don't have secrets that you can dig up, then yeah, sure, your game may be original, it may be fun. But it's not an adventure game if you can't find a host of secrets and then go back after even even after playing the main story quest just to find more. Or maybe it's your like six hundredth playthrough, which for me, I'm always finding new stuff in Ocarina of Time. So yeah, I, I think you're right for sure.
0: <laughs> and what I think Ocarina of Time succeeded at really well too was. Not only did they add those details, but they added them in a way that you're like, hmm, I want to dig into that a little bit more. I liked how you said there's a story in everything. Everything has a story because I resonate with that 100% where you go in and you find something new and you're like, yeah, and I want to know what that's all about. You discover the soldier behind the shops in Market Town or Castletown Market Uh. after Ganondorf invades and you're like, I want to know who this guy was. How did he end up back here? Nobody noticing that he's dying. You know, like what what happened here? <laughs> totally. You know, it just it just draws you in like that.
1: Like the Shadow Temple where it's like, here is written on the walls the bloody history of Hyrule. You're like, what the heck is huh? that? <laughs> and can we get a game of that? Because that would be awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it, it does. It spawns these fan fictions, these mangas, these YouTube theories and stuff, because yeah, people want to see it. You know, they want to mm-hmm. see deeper dives into these details because they were so well developed. And then you can see it in the legacy through these new games and breath of the wild is like King among all games of just putting in details where you're like, uh, I'm like, I want to know what this is all about. You know, like the Zonai totally. ruins and the forgotten temple. You're like, what? <laughs> they, they just put in all these details that you want to discover. And I think that's totally because of what Ocarina of time started.
1: Yeah. Something else that's exciting about Ocarina of Time, at least for me, was it was the first game I'd ever played. And granted, this was 11 years after the game had come out, but still the first game I ever played where I had a fully fleshed out villain who was present throughout major portions of the story. Because like, there's the original Zelda game where you meet Ganon at the very end and I think he's mentioned a couple of times but I don't think you actually meet him till the end till the very end yeah but then you beat Ganondorf literally after you beat the first dungeon if you can make it to Hyrule Castle without the freaking drawbridge (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah, oh my gosh that's
0: one of the hardest puzzles (laughs) of the whole game is you're like how do I get across Hyrule Field for the first time before the sun goes down
1: Learn how to roll really quickly in that game, for sure. But to finally meet Ganondorf, who granted is not as scary as he was to me as a kid, but still, you still get to meet him. And then don't forget about him because he's present throughout. You're going to go get the Master Sword and woof, he's there. He steals the Triforce. And then you kind of start to forget about him, but nope, you just get reminded of him because you walk out and Hyrule Town or uh, Castle Town is just completely destroyed. And then you meet Phantom Ganon. So all this kind of stuff just really makes him threatening, uh, imposing is the word I'm looking for, villain. At least to me, gave me a great motivation to finish, to want to finish the game because I wanted to take the scumbag out.
0: Yes, right. You develop this sense of purpose from the very beginning. And I think that's prevalent in, gosh, all the Zelda games that have come since. The Mm -hmm. only one I could think of that might be a little bit less so is Phantom Hourglass because you don't really know about Bellum until the later end of the story. But for the most part, a lot of these games are exactly what you're describing. And so now we're meeting the villain very early in the game. And you might have like a Twilight Princess scenario where there's a puppet villain and then you figure out who's really pulling the strings and Spirit Tracks does that. Also, Skyward Sword's is another example of that, too. Gear him. You know, he's just a servant, and then you don't see Demise to the very end. But you have someone that's the face of your antagonist right from the get-go, and you're chasing him around trying to stop him from whatever they're doing. And so that was a really awesome component of the game to introduce in Ocarina of Time. And I think even broader than that, just the way that the game was able to establish non-playable characters... As characters, because you have NPCs in all the other games. You have the It's Dangerous to Go Alone, Old Man, or the Moblin, It's a Secret to Everybody. So you have NPCs even in the original game, but you just didn't really feel like they were that real. Maybe it's because mm. of the 2D graphics, or maybe it's just because you didn't get to know them a lot. I think the exception to the rule is Marin in Link's Awakening. Because even True. on the Game Boy version, I was like, I feel like I'm getting to know her a little bit. And she's developing slightly. At first, she just discovers you on the beach and is taking care of you to now are friends to now Link is saving her at the very top of Telltale Heights to you're going to leave us, aren't you? And it's kind of sad. So that's kind of the exception. But Ocarina of Time... Now, all of a sudden, I want to know every single NPC. I want to talk to as many people as I can because I am so interested in who they all are. And I think part of it is because they're 3D, so they're a little more realistic. But I think the way that the developers wrote their individual's character models was just so well done to a point that you're like, I just don't find any of these NPCs uninteresting.
1: Yeah, I love talking to all the people in Castletown, especially... I love annoying the two people, the couple dancing. And they're always just like, go away, kid. We're busy.
0: I think back, if I were eight again, playing Zelda for the first time, and instead of having Ocarina of Time, I was given A Link to the Past, I don't think I'd go around and talk to everybody. Maybe I would. You know, it's hard to say, but I don't think I would. I think I would talk to people like on a random basis, but it was not like Ocarina of Time where as a young kid, I remember going around just talking to Everybody I could because there's people in Castletown that you can't talk to and I always wanted to. I'm like, I want to get in there mm-hmm. and hear what you guys are saying because this is so interesting to me.
1: Yeah. I think that I and I just had this thought come to my head. I think the developers made you have like a slower almost like a walk through Hyrule as Child Link. I think the reason they do that is because I wanted you to actually get to know these characters and to meet and greet everyone because then by the time that you walk out of the Temple of Time and Castletown and Hyrule is just wasteland. I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, I was like, wait, what happened to all those people in Castletown? Are they all dead? Or are they hiding in a secret cave somewhere? Like, I just got so worried and concerned for the citizens of Hyrule. I was just like, okay, Let's go. Let's go beat Ganon. Yeah, you're
0: right. All of a sudden, now <laughs> your, your sense of purpose is even deeper. I think that was yeah. brilliantly done by the developers of this game. And I like that. I like that idea is that Child Link was designed to slow you down, engage with the world so that now it's personal. Ganon mm-hmm. Rex Hyrule, and now it's personal. You're like, okay, let's settle this, like you said. Yeah. And that pretty much opens up the other big part of this game that was completely new and almost radical was now you've got Adult Link. Because all these Mm -hmm. games had featured a hero who was very young, you know, a teenager at most. And there there comes with that immaturity, boyhood. He just looks like a kid. It spawns things like the the cartoon series and the Phillips CDI offshoots. But there was this perception of Link as being a boy, very much like Peter Pan. And Timmy and I talked about that a bunch in the last episode. But now here you introduce adult Link, the man, the myth, the legend. You know, he walks out and you're like, whoa, man, this this guy's a stud. Like, I want to go beat up Ganon with this guy because he's just this adult. He's mature. He's He's a hero. You're like, yeah,
1: zero to hero, brother. And it's funny because every time I would play the game, after the first time i played it i would always be like oh, i just can't wait to be adult link because adult link gets to do all the cool stuff
0: yeah, right which is kind of <laughs> like
1: what you feel like as a kid in real in life yes because yeah, exactly. you're just like oh the adults get to drive they get to they get to stay up late they get to <laughs> they get to use swords no i'm just kidding i wait oh, so but... <laughs> yeah you're you, not kidding
0: it's like you come out of the t- you know you pull the master sword you come back as adult link you're like here we go
1: Or wow, wow. Uh, Adult Link is awesome, and we finally get to use the cool stuff. I think one of my favorite gadgets we get to use is the long shot because I always felt like Batman, like going (laughs) around everywhere. Yeah, your grappling hook. Exactly. Because, like, the hookshot, yeah, it's cool, but it doesn't have that reach or that power. Yeah. Like, when you're in Kakariko
0: Village and you're flying from the roof, like, into the windmill, yeah, you're like, like a superhero. Exactly.
1: Now. Exactly. And that's probably the only good thing to come out of the water temple. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> Other than pain uh, and fighting Dark Link or Shadow oh, Link. Yeah. Oh, my word. his design is pretty cool in the game then we also get like the megaton hammer you can do that really fun side quest that made me rage quit a lot as a kid but i love it now (laughs) where you can get the big goron sword yes now there's just so much cool stuff you get to do as an adult plus you know when you're walking around as young link you're like oh look at that cool hill or like that cool little cave up at the top of that hill with like a heart container. Gee, I sure wish I could get that as a kid. (laughs) So then when you're like adult link, it's exactly what you said. It's like, here we go. Squad a law. We're off.
0: (laughs) Yeah. that Being adult link gives you all the, all the perks. It's like the ultimate payoff to all these setups as child link. And then an even better bonus is there's no more P-Hats on Hyrule Field when you're an adult, even though you could finally kill the damn things. I talked about how (laughs) my favorite cut is you have the pan over Hyrule. Well, then four seconds later, you walk out and a P-Hat cuts your head off and you're like, what the crap? (laughs) So I like that Adult Link doesn't have that. Uh, The other thing about the Adult Link side of Ocarina of Time is that then you get to go to Gerudo Valley, my favorite part of the map. And I think, too... This mature adult Link, obviously he's able to do things Young Link can't because of his gadgets, but I think also his persona becomes Mm. different. You know, Now he's the hero of time, and he's developing as the hero, not just as Zelda's errand boy getting the spiritual stones. Now the fate of Hyrule is put in his hands. And like I was describing at the beginning of the episode, we're used to Zelda games where he's either already bestowed that mantle, or he's very quickly given that mantle whereas this one it takes almost a third of the game to finally get that responsibility put on your shoulders and then you're the one developing as the developing him as the hero going to the Gorons and saving them from Vovagia helping Rudo break the curse on Lake Hylia and then becoming an ally a respected member of the Gerudo by beating up on all the Gerudo swordsmen and that definitely definitely impacted the rest of the series because that became a staple in all the Zelda games where it's like, you're still going to power up. You're still going to get all these cool items in each game, but you're also going to advance link through his own character arc in Twilight princess. He's going to be embarking on his journey to save his friends and to save Ilya. But along the way, he's also going to develop this relationship with Midna and try to help her regain her honor and her throne. And he's also going to develop this love for this, to him, foreign land of Hyrule, and take the responsibility of saving it. And so all these games have this element that Ocarina of Time introduced where Link is going to assume the fate of Hyrule, not just carry out this predetermined you know, ability that, that we see early in the totally. game or, or before you even drop into the game.
1: Totally. And I think the developers did a really good job at making Link look, even just by like his very triangulated facial expressions. (laughs) You just know that he's sure of himself, he's confident, and that you just feel like you can get the job done. Like you're no longer worried, oh, I'm too small, this world's too big for me, which is how they totally make you feel at the beginning. But yeah, the first time you see adult Link, you're just like, okay, okay if this is my character for the rest of the game, I'm going to be just fine. No matter what is going to come my way, I can just hack through it with my sword or use my brain to think through a puzzle. And I love that confidence the game developers give us because I feel like they did the exact opposite on purpose to us with Breath of the Wild where literally start the guy out in his boxer briefs <laughs> and you're just kind of like, "Hey, go save the world." And you're just like, "How am I huh? going to do this?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, it's just really fun to see those parallels for sure. And I love Osikondo's soundtrack that he made for this game. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, Epic and nostalgic. People just don't forget that soundtrack.
1: One of my favorite themes, because you mentioned the Gerudo Valley theme, which is a very excellent theme. I think one of my favorites though, is the Temple of Time theme because it has such a mournful eeriness, but it also has this sense of sanctity and reverence that you feel like you're in this ancient sacred place, but at the same time, you can tell that there's some sort of sense of loss or or sadness about what the world has become it's just so powerful that you're just like oh my gosh what is this game it really said and especially for a game that came out in the late 90s because we got like and i'm not bashing on any of these games i don't think they're as good in my opinion but you know you have like games like duke nukem and the original metal gear games which are fantastic games in their own right but to me the ocarina of time game With that coupled with the soundtrack really made it something truly special and unique.
0: And I think, too, all across the board, whether people are fans of the series and diehards like us, or if people just casually played it at the time, Ocarina of Time has been regarded and will likely continue to be regarded as one of the greatest games of all time because of this beautiful juxtaposition of... 3D graphics, storytelling, world building, music, character development, culture. I mean, it's just this harmony of all these different influences that are woven together like this crazy, amazing tapestry that's just very hard to replicate. But we get to benefit from that and have been for years and years. And I think the series in general has benefited from the work, the groundbreaking work that Ocarina of Time headed up and we see its legacy stretching into the most recent Zelda games you know in the gosh 24 years since it came out almost and and I think we'll continue to see that even as Legend of Zelda evolves and and we see new elements and new ideas come into the game I think we'll still see some of those fundamental components that Ocarina of Time introduced and we'll always be able to look back and see how Uh, Ocarina of Time was a shifting point in the Legend of Zelda series. So with that, we'll wrap up our hitchhike of Hyrule today. And I want to thank our viewers and listeners for tuning in to another episode where we just get to talk about Zelda, chat it up about uh, one of my favorite series in the whole world. Uh, May the
1: Triforce be with you guys.
0: Absolutely. And remember, it's dangerous to go alone. So take us. See you next time.